Before we begin, we wanted to issue a content warning for this week's episode. There is a frank discussion of sexual violence, assault, and trauma that some may find disturbing. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Happy Hanukkah, Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. Shalom. Uh, Hello, goodbye, and peace. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, yes, it is the uh, fourth night of, or tonight will be the fourth night of Hanukkah. Um, so I just thought I would say that. Uh, there is a horror film uh, uh, about Hanukkah starring the late, great Sid Haig from, uh, you know, previous Rob Zombie films, uh, but I think we, we're we not doing that this year. That's not what today's episode is about, but I think next okay. year, Joe, I think next year, that's going to be part of our our holiday horror. You know, we have to get mm-hmm. out of just doing Christmas. You know, we have to look at other holiday horror. Is there a Kwanzaa horror somewhere? Uh, there could be. We'll have to look. Let's find it. Okay. Let's do it. Let's uh, do but, it. Let's find it. Well, a yeah. great miracle happened there. You know, Neskadol Hayasham, which in Israel, the dreidels say a great miracle happened here. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I, I dig it. Um, I know we have some dreidels around here because, you know, Jeffrey, um, I think we have. Likes dreidels? Likes a top? Yeah, he likes a spinning top. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just meant to say that Jeffrey is um, Jewish. Culturally, at least, he's here for the food. Mm-hmm. Which actually, my house smells so good right now because I'm making um, brisket. I'm doing a beer braised brisket, and oh. we're doing. Um, oh, can you hear? Hemlock is very excited about the food. <laughs> he's excited about that brisket. Uh, also, making these really, really good roasted root vegetables that I do with orange marmalade and rosemary. Oh, they're mm. so good. Oh, dinner tonight is going to be delicious. Uh, oh my so gosh, are you? Oh, I'm in a great mood today. Are you? <laughs> Gonna have like jelly donuts, the sifganyot, or are you gonna do the? No, he did go out for donuts this morning, though. So we did have donuts this morning, which we've actually—I don't think we've ever done before. Like, well, I—I've brought donuts to you. Yeah, no, that's I think. true. That's true. But we've never actually like in uh, like I don't think we have ever went to get donuts like in the morning as like. A are you really? Day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Not really donut people. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you didn't grow up going to like church every Sunday, then. You weren't really, because, like, that was one of the best things about going to church was, like, there were donuts for 25 cents afterwards. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, I had that, like, as a kid, but I just mean, like, the two of us. We've never done that, you know? Um, but, yeah, well, he's look working. Look at you. There you go. Yeah, it was really fun. So, he's working on the, um, on latkes right now. Oh. Yeah, so I've got the food going. So, yeah, my house smells really good. I'm very, I'm in a great mood, actually. Um, how are you doing, Joe? Uh, I'm in a good mood too. Yesterday was, um, yesterday was a uh, pretty busy, well, Saturday, really I should happened. say Saturday was pretty busy cause we did our stream, our live stream. <laughs> yes. I got up really early. I actually started watching at six 30. I tried to get up 
by six, but it was like 50 degrees in the house and was really, really cold. Uh, sorry, that's like such a lame complaint from California, but it was just super cold. It was like 70. No, <laughs> don't you just love, but don't you like it cold? Isn't like, you know, your house also double as an extra mortuary? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm pretty comfortable in like 64, 65, like around the house, but mm-hmm. like it was like 50 something. It was really, really cold. And so I was trying to get Will myself out of bed and then finally i got out and i i had the i had my laptop on all day streaming um the shows uh the because there were three separate you know broadcasts because of the way the stream goes so i kept sharing them and you know i've just watched i pretty much watched almost all the content outside of when i had to get ready like for our stuff and you know do you know the other just stuff i had to do but i always had it playing the whole day listening mm-hmm. to it so it was super super fun nice um, you know like those like those peeps over at geekscape yeah, so will you watch Last Christmas then? <laughs> what I talked about for the Christmas 365 hour? <laughs> um, you know what? So, sorry. To, um, <laughs> pure honesty. So, right after my part was over, I had um, I did a live stream with Jackie Beat, and we had a VIP thing. So, um, Oh, so well, I that's to, like okay. Go right to that. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. I don't mind that. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I want, I'm going to rewatch. Well, I'm actually going to listen because it'll be released on the podcast, right? That's right. It'll be released on the podcast. So yeah, you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. So I'm going to listen to it there um, to hear your thoughts. Uh, you know, when you guys kept saying last Christmas, I was thinking about that Queen Latifah movie, which I think is no, a that's different thing. <laughs> that's the last holiday okay, where she's dying. Yeah, she she she's dying, so she decides to like take all her savings and spend New Year's Eve at this very fancy hotel in Europe. Um, oh, so it's New Year's, so it's not even Christmas. Yeah, it's not Christmas. Oh, it's okay. it it takes place like over the New Year's holiday, and she's a woman who like has like a dream book, and she yeah. has like this book of dreams, and she decides to make it true. Yeah, yeah, make yeah. her dreams come true. Okay. But it has a very swarmy. I think it has. Giancarlo Esposito in it as this very swarmy senator, <laughs> which of course, and of course, LL Cool J is in this as well. Well, I've not seen that either. So I just, I've not seen Last Christmas. I've not seen Last Holiday, but I really did think that's what you were talking about because I did oh. think that was a Christmas movie. So for some reason, again, I've not seen it. Uh, no, but- this one has like uh, Emma Thompson and uh, in a very shitty Ukrainian accent, uh, Michelle Yeoh from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and a very like a very hot five minute cameo from Patty Lapone. <laughs> ah, well, very fun. Uh, should I watch it? Um, no, you. Okay. It's it's. I did not like it. I did not enjoy it. Okay. Um, there is. I would put it. I mean, if you want just something to put on, then I probably would watch it just to have it on in the background. But there's a very kind of insane, bonkers twist at the end. Okay. Well, which we'll which you are a learned person of film and television, so you could probably figure out what the twist is. Okay, and that's the last Christmas one. So that's last Christmas. Yes, and it has it stars Amelia Clark, who famously was Daenerys Targaryen. Ah, okay. Great. Sign me up. Um, yeah. No, uh, you know, I did have a. I I I, re- I realized something yesterday when I was actually thinking about Christmas three sixty five, um, and that's. Right, right. That's the name of the show. Okay, <laughs> just making yes, sure. yes. Because <laughs> um, it sounds like a horrible nightmare to me. Uh, Three hundred sixty-five <laughs> days of Christmas, like new. No, thank you. Um, 
Uh, but I love people who do love, I mean, I think of Tiffany, Matt, obviously you people who do love Christmas. So, Hey, great. Awesome. Wonderful. If that's like your dream, I would sacrifice my life so you could have your dream uh, well, to have Christmas all year. I have something to say about that, but, but continue with your <laughs> no, thought. Okay, but my point was my point being, um, I realized yesterday here, I do not have a Christmas movie. Like I, if it's not a horror film, like I don't have a movie that's not a horror film that's a Christmas film. Like, I nothing. Like, even the one that's not really horror, like Batman Returns is set at Christmas, but even that's kind of horror adjacent with, like, Tim Burton and the look of it and all. It's not like a feel-good Christmas movie. Like, I don't, I don't have one, I realize. You don't have, you don't have, like, Home Alone? No, I mean, I, I was thinking about that, that I, I enjoyed that, but I, I mean, or I guess, maybe, I'd have to watch it again. I've not seen that movie since it came out on VHS in the 90s, like, was the last time I watched that as a kid, um, you know, and really it was like, hey, that's the woman from Beetlejuice. Um <laughs> I love this thing happening now where people are like, did you know Moira sh- from uh, Shit's Creek is the woman in Home Alone? Like everybody's their minds are being blown. <laughs> um, I'm like, no, she's the woman from Beetlejuice. Stop it. Yes. That's the woman. Well, see, um, I, I know her as the woman from uh, Best in Show, right? Oh, or, yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's, yeah, no. I, yeah, I would give that. Although I would say Waiting for Guffman if I was going to pick a christopher guest movie um but um yeah no i just had this realization that like i i cannot think of a single film that's like a really truly a christmas film that's like that's the one i'm gonna watch you know so you don't even own like the physical media of it you just don't have one you yeah well that's I interesting that i don't have like a favorite christmas film or like you know because i was thinking about the christmas 365 and you know i mean you always like you know you we listen to lots of podcasts lots of shows and you always think oh gosh if i was on there what would i talk about or this or that you know like i i did the my favorite episode of and i knew dexter absolutely like you know i and i was so happy to go on there and talk about that and you know getting on you know being on horror movie night and talking about christmas horror yesterday was super fun and super in my wheelhouse and you know it, it was such a great time so i was thinking about that and i was like man if i was asked to do that show there is like literally nothing if, if if they were like you have to talk about a christmas film that can't be horror i'd be i'd be like well i can't do your show because <laughs> i really i don't i don't have one that so, doesn't surprise that should not surprise me but it kind of does because like I feel like you would have a you have a film for everything. I mean, yeah. But if I was going like- to put on a Christmas movie just to put on a Christmas movie, I really have no idea what it would be. Like if somebody was like came to the house and was like, "Just please for two hours, can we not watch a horror film? Please put on a Christmas movie you like instead." I don't know what I'd put on. I have no idea. So, well, okay. That's interesting. So let's um, make that your mission, Joe. We're going to find one. You know, suggest. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to find one for you. Um, but on that note, so it's like people, people do have this, uh, this conception of me that I um that I'm like all about Christmas 365 days of the year. And I'm, and I'm really not like I'm mm-hmm. in, uh, when I, when I think about it at my core, um, I'm not like super into like Christmas and all that stuff. Like I am, I'm always into celebrating something. So like, you know, that's the, that's the Taurus in me. I'm always about a celebration and being warm and comfortable. But like, I, I don't know. And and I, I mentioned this on the live streams yesterday. I've talked about it with some other friends privately about the fact that like, you know, Christmas has for me and, how I grew up, it has a lot like the, there's like the huge religious component of it. 
So like when I think about like those family traditions that I have, like all of those family traditions are like wrapped around something to do with religion and, you know, growing up Catholic and all that stuff. So in recent years, it's been not as, it's been not as fun because it's like, you know, I've been trying to separate the, like have a secular Christmas as opposed to, um, have a secular Christmas experience as opposed to like a more religious one, because again, like Catholicism is already so somber. And so, you know, this is the birth of our Lord and, you know, we should be sad because this baby is going to go die <laughs> in, a, in a couple months. But at the same time, like I'm also trying to, you know, separate myself from that. So I've kind of just taken to kind of celebrating almost all, at least the two major winter holidays, uh, Hanukkah and Christmas um, just because, you know, I want to try to find joy in it again. And again, like I love the way that like the fact that you celebrate it, you, you know, we've talked about this before, like you made the holidays in your image. I'm still trying to figure out what that means for me yeah. and how I can remake things in my image. Um, yeah. I already, I did, I've been pretty successful with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's actually taken a, a couple years to rebuild in my image, but it's mainly just like watching those like Thanksgiving episodes of TV that make me feel good. Mm-hmm. And so Christmas, because it's such a massive thing, Also, like I always, except for this year, you know, there's always family that you don't really see that often. So like my cousins and stuff, and we're all, we're all pretty close, but, um, you know, I will always spend the holidays with them in that way, or the day will always be reserved for family. So I usually get more excited for things out around the day, because that means that that those are times where I can like see my friends and, you know. Um, except for you, Joshua, because you're pretty much like you're like the only friend that I've like ever spent like Christmas Eve or Christmas part of the actual days with. So, but again, you know that's scary Christmas, and that's a, it's a completely <laughs> it's like different thing. Separate, yeah, it's its own thing. Yeah, and I look forward to um, you know hopefully you know when this pandemic is over, and you know you you know hopefully one day we'll live with your special man friend, and you guys will have a holiday. Um, of course, you won't dare to compete with any of the parties I have, but um, you know you'll pick a different <laughs> weekend. <laughs> well, it's funny because it's like it's we can't compete with you. We definitely can't compete with our friends, the Johnsons um because they don't li- they don't listen so it's fine like <laughs> i could be with them um and then there's some other people and then like halloween is a crapshoot because it's like well we're just <laughs> you know halloween is just is reserved for those who have uh who are already the supreme like <laughs> there we go um but yeah just one uh one thing i would like to say about the uh live stream yesterday because it was uh it was a really really good time and it was for a good cause and so i do want to uh you know encourage our listeners you know to support uh big brothers big sisters of america right that's the you know obviously we were we were um happy to be there supporting uh you know, it's um, support.mentornj.org. Uh, Geek, Geekscape was raising money for the particular um, branch uh, or however they're defined. Um, <laughs> we, we were just talking about how, you know, we do so much research on this show. Uh, with Matt. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I thought was very lovely. I thought that was actually kind of a nice thing. Cause it's like, you know, I'm like, ah, we're pretentious. He's like, well, I don't know. You guys just, you know, research. And I think that's not, you know, like he's so, 
I just, I was really, um, there are some nice things they said, yeah. but yeah, but I agree with you. It's like, we, you know, we, uh, we were happy to support the Geekscape, uh, the Geekscape cause, which is for big brothers, big sisters for New Jersey. But if you have your own local mentorship program, big brothers, big sisters already has kind of that longstanding history of infrastructure, uh, in place. If you feel comfortable donating to them, please donate to them. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And if or if there's a more local friends, program. Yeah, yeah. If you want to support our friends, that's the link. And it'll also be below in the show notes, as always, to uh, to support. Because I do think that, that it is very important, um, the work that's done there. Uh, and I like other things that, do, that do that. Like I said, Jeffrey and I have joined and, you know... Um, sponsored kids at the holidays and things like that. And I just, I think it's such a, we need more of that community uh, building. Uh, there were a lot of mm-hmm. other people that got involved in my life when I was young. That was very important. And uh, to me, so I think that, you know, it's a good, it's a good thing. Um, other than that, what else is good has been going on? Uh, I quit my job. <laughs> I <laughs> I saw that. Things, uh, no, um, it's bittersweet. But yes, I I did. I I will. My last day will be in January, January nineteenth. I'm going to focus, laser focus on school. You know, sitting down and kind of crunching the numbers of how far I have to go. I'm a lot closer than I thought. Um, a lot more credits and things like that transferred and were accepted than I thought would be, and filled some slots that I. Th- didn't realize would be filled. Uh, so it just makes sense for me to take, you know, a year off and really a year, year and a half, I think I could get it done and, um, you know, move on to cross fingers, a really cool doctoral program. We'll see. I'm, I'm looking at some options to prepare for, um, you know, so I am happy about that. I'm going to miss everybody at work. Obviously I'm definitely going to miss the benefits and the paycheck, <laughs> but I have to get out. I have to focus. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's other, there's other glorious benefits to your mental health and, you know, and all of that stuff as well too. So I'm, I'm happy for you. I feel people are always like, Oh, you're leaving. And I'm like, yeah, but he's fine. (laughs) Like we like, they're going to be okay. Um, And I'm just really happy that like you are taking this, this leap, you know, this, this leap to, um, not like a blind leap or by any means, but like, you know, this leap to finish and also to, you know, be in a much better situation than before. Yeah, so I, I really hope so. I'm very, very excited about the classes I'm looking at taking, um, you know, and again, I've got lots of ideas. I, I mean, you know, it's so interesting. It keeps coming up like, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm sure this happens to you because you've got several podcasts and people go, well, Why? Why, 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 why are you doing that? You don't make any money at that or you don't do this or you don't do that. And it's like, well, one, it's really fun. And this has been like a really nice, you know, stress release each week to talk about something I love with somebody I adore. And, you know, it gets to the earballs of people that I, uh, you know, love and adore as well. And, you know, but it's like, we also have like four years of tons of research, you know, I've got like a hundred research papers on horror films and all of this stuff. And so I'm kind of looking, you know, at, at sort of the next steps of that, you know? So yeah. I'm happy to be able to take some time off and kind of focus on like how I'm going to help more people through with, with what we're doing here. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Talking I'm about glad. fear and anxiety and <laughs> psychology. It's going to be fun. So lots of cool, lots of cool stuff on the horizon. And, um, you know, and like I said, I am actually looking forward to having more time um, t- just to, 
heal from burnout. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> work. Um, and do more fun fright school related things, of course, but that's yeah. all to come. <laughs> awesome. Well, and, and you, you mean, well, I, things are good. Things are good over here. Um, I've taken some time off from work as well. Um, right. So in, uh, I mean, it's so strange because it's like, I say enjoying it, but you know, it's, it's like, it's, we're supposed to be, you know, nothing's, we're locked down in California right, right. now. Um, well, I mean, uh, you and I are locked down. I don't know what the rest of the people out here are doing, but. <laughs> well, it's us, Professor TJ. <laughs> yes, it's us, TJ. <laughs> My friend Maybe Z, who, uh, who's been, you know, has been on the show before. That's yes, Z, um, the Johnsons, I know, like, it's, I think it bodes well for us that we have people in our, like, immediate social circle who are also yeah. feeling the, feeling lockdown, but there are some people out here who are just like, you know, I went to go uh, during um, the weekend after Thanksgiving, I went to go pick up some uh, Christmas cards from a local store because they there was a like a boutique stationery store. So I went to go pick some up to support small business. Yay. And this this particular store had moved from their North Park location to Del Mar. And I'm like, OK, I, I could use the drive. That'll be fine. And it's, you know, the Monday after thanksgiving who's going to be out and so we get there and it's like you know a monday during christmas time where people are just like shopping and there are people just browsing in the store and eating and and i'm just like what are all these people (laughs) what are these people doing um and like the girl came right up to me to give me my thing and i'm like um this is not (laughs) i like moved away from her and i think she noticed that she and she looked at me like, "Oh, you're one of those who take it seriously." And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> I'm like, I, I've been getting really good about like moving away from people like yeah. very slowly, and then they look at me like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" And they get closer, and I'm like, "Back, <laughs> get back, get back." You don't know me like that. Like, get- <laughs> so so it's just been interesting to kind of uh, remind myself to not be. Uh, gaslit by the larger public as to what is happening and what's going on in in the in the world. But again, what else is new? These are these are things that we've have, you know I've been saying for for months and months now. I know that's why it's like I, I'm, I'm going to start on a couple of good points and we're going to talk about happy things and try not to bring up the. Uh, I know, and then I I went ahead and brought oh, it down. Okay. With the- I mean, totally fine. <laughs> it's part of the it's part of our world. You know, it's just a news check. Uh, you know, it's just a fact. So, no. um, but, but yeah. you know, I mean, there is the, I mean, the vaccine is coming. The- they are coming. Yes. I'm crossing fingers <laughs> that I can get it before my last day. Cause they, they're coming and apparently, you know, people are starting, um, uh, to expect getting them very soon. And, uh, you know, we're part of that list being, you know, we work with clients directly, you know, we're part of a clinic hospital setting. Uh, so crossing fingers, um, that we will get it, obviously please give it to the nurses and the doctors and everybody that's like hands on with COVID patients, um, get it to the vulnerable populations and all of that. Um, you know, we still have the option to just kind of work from home, you know, if, if necessary, but, uh, I do hope to get it quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. as part of that group. (laughs) <laughs> the the New York Times um, a couple weeks ago had an uh, opinion piece that basically was like, okay, like enter in, it was online and it was enter in this information to find where you are in the line for the vaccine. Yeah. So like what, 
state you're in, what county, and then your, you know, comorbidities. Ugh, I hate that word. Mm. And um, I'm not, I'm not at the back of the line. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm towards, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm like solidly in the middle. Cause they were like, they did it as like an image where it's like, if the line was a hundred people long and you know, this section represented the millions of healthcare workers and so on and so right, forth, right. this is where you are. And so like, I'm right in the middle. Um, I just remember scrolling and then not having to scroll all the way down. I'm like, Oh, there, there I am. Um, which is, which is nice, which is, uh, which is a nice feeling. But again, you know, there's always, I've been doing a lot of, um, very cursor. I'm not even gonna call it research. Just very reading about information about the MRNA, um, Pfizer vaccine and all of that, just to be more familiar with the science behind it. Um, so that way, it make it puts my mind at ease. Um, and again, like I told Jeffrey at the end of our recording last week, if if it turned people into zombies, we would know already. Like we would know. Um, but you know, don't worry, Joshua. If it happens to you, I'll I'll make sure that you know you go quietly. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't. I really don't want to eat your leg off, Joe, as a zombie. So do me that kindness. No, um, you're welcome. <laughs> Although the leg, the leg has a lot of good meat. The middle's too much fat. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Um, yeah. I think that's a good place to take a quick break. And then we're going to be back to uh, discuss the highly contested uh, <laughs> Black Christmas 2019 from last year in our ongoing Christmas horror series. Here we go. just want to apologize I'm sorry to everyone I was very naive and very stupid and I shouldn't have put other people in danger I am so sorry for everything that has happened because in spite of what Joshua says it's now all my fault I insisted our listeners subscribe to Fright School on Apple Podcasts I insisted they leave us reviews. I insisted that they give us a five-star rating. And it's all because of me that we're here now and we're being hunted. I love you, Mom and Dad. I am so sorry. I only wanted to make good content for our listeners. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm going to die out here. <laughs> Joshua, is that you? All right, welcome back. So, um, yeah, today we're going to talk about Black Christmas, which is a remake of the 1974 classic, Black Christmas, uh, which we discussed, I think, in our first season, right? That was our first. Yeah, with um, our dear friend Sam. Um, Man, I would have liked to have had him on today just to get his opinion. Um, But, yeah, so... (laughs) 
you know, we talked a little bit about this on the uh, during Saturday's live stream show. Uh, we put the original Black Christmas at you know the top, and this fell in the very bottom. <laughs> um, I you know so okay again we're gonna try like i i don't really want to necessarily review the film we're here to talk about the what's going on in it what Mm -hmm. culturally what's being said that's what we're here so we've got uh sophia um to call is that how you say her name because she she, we've done a film by her before she directed new year new you for uh hulu's into the dark series Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, so we have her directing, and uh, the screenplay is by her and April Wolf, produced, obviously, by Jason Blum. So this is Blumhouse. So it was promising when it was announced. Um, I, was, mm-hmm. I was excited. Um, you know, so it's the second remake, which I guess now we're going to have to go back and talk about the 2006 one at some point in time. Um, maybe next year. Um <laughs> I tell you, if we do publish a book one day, the the Black Christmas films are just going to have to have like their own chapter, like yes. even outside of like holiday horror chapter, they need their own like separate chapter. Uh, but anyways, we've got Imogen Poots, Imogen uh, Poots, uh, Brittany O'Grady, uh, Carrie. I always say his last name wrong. What is it? Carrie oh, Elways. Elways. It's just like it looks. Then I was yeah, well, I fancier. Yeah. I always say Elways. I've I've listened to him say his name on. I've looked it up on YouTube just to be careful. And um, and when people say Yules, that really like it. Like he says Elways. Like okay. he says I say Elways. Elways. He says like Elwes. It's around the similar thing. So, okay. but Elwes. So Carrie Elwes. Yes, Wesley uh, from Princess Bride. There we go. Um, there's a movie that I I've seen parts of, but not the whole thing. Uh, so you know, there we go. Add that to the growing pile. Uh, so yeah, Joe, what'd you think? We'll start with your th- initial thoughts. I mean, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Um. I've not seen the the 2006 remake, the Michelle Trachtenberg right. <laughs> uh, Black Xmas. Um, so I don't, I can't compare it to that. But I mean, I think that this is definitely not. Um, I don't think this is a remake because it didn't really have much of anything to do. I felt with the first one. Um, I think if they had just made this its own movie. And divorced it from like Black Christmas, it, it would have been fine. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that this has really anything to do with the other one. But I mean, I can understand why they chose the name, given the magical elements of it. Um, that was really unexpected, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But overall, I thought it We're was. Talk I thought. About it, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was really effective. Um, yeah, it, it it held the tension. the The tension was pretty. Um, I was pretty wrapped uh, throughout. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was good. So, um, alrighty. Well, I you know I on watching it the second because I I watched it, you know, the first time I watched half of it and then I fell asleep. Um, I I think I'm just a little. 
you know, I'm used to horror films having like, you know, lots of gore and kind of excitement. And so I don't know, I maybe started it too late. So I just kind of, you know, before the film got, you know, so watching it the second time around and really watching the whole thing, um, it was a little better than I'd remembered. I don't think it deserves necessarily like the scathing tearing apart of it that has happened, but that's always going to be the case with beloved, you know, franchises mm-hmm. or beloved films that get remade or sequels or reboots or whatever. Um, you know, much like when we discussed, uh, you know, antebellum and we've talked about other films that were, you know, quote unquote, like social justice, warrior horror or woke horror you know, I I have to take, you know, a lot of the reviews that come out, especially the first, like, page of reviews of this, it's all white dudes, you know, complaining about it and talking shit about it. So I kind of have to take that a little bit with a grain of salt. And so some of the reviews I found um, have been interesting, the differing perspectives, particularly women watching. And so and we're obviously two men. Uh, so there are things in this that I think, you know, are worthy of cultural conversation. And and that's, you know, what we're doing here. <laughs> I just, and, you know, for yeah. me personally, I agree. I think that maybe they could, if, if they wouldn't have called it black Christmas or called it, you know, like something like um, we were talking yesterday, a lot about the silent night, deadly night uh, series, and they kind of have subtitles, you know, initiation, the toy maker, you know, things that kind of separate it from that original story you know they could have done that like with the craft the craft legacy it's like it's not a remake it's it's kind of they wanted to be taken on their own thing but you know obviously with the street cred of the you know of the original film so i kind of get that here that they're wanting to tell this kind of similar tale with new elements in a new way so they could have given it you know either either like a subtitle name or yeah or just put it out on its own and maybe it would have done better you know, if it mm-hmm. were put out as just like, you know, whatever, a scary Christmas title, pick whatever. Maybe yeah. by the end of this, we'll have one. Um, maybe it would have fared better. Um, but I also thought there was some clumsy stuff in it, watching it, you know, in the in this idea of like woke horror. There were things that I'm like, is this really feminist? You know, like there were just things for me that, you know, and that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. So obviously, you know, if you've not seen the original Black, Christmas. It's about a sorority house at the Christmas winter holiday break being, you know, they're being stalked by, uh, you know, killer, uh, set up sort of, you know, what became Halloween. We talked a little bit about that too, on our, our live stream about Bob Clark, you know, not really wanting to do a sequel. And so, um, John Carpenter ran with, you know, the idea that it could be set at Halloween instead. And so that whole thing, uh, you know, so I, I do think black Christmas, the original is a very, very important film in our in in horror history rightfully so um and i think one of my struggles with some of the ways this was promoted has to do with kind of pissing a little on that um on that history there because it's like oh the girls in this film are gonna fight back and this is a feminist film you know where i'm like Black Christmas is pretty feminist, like for a film, you know what I mean? Like when you look at it, a horror film in the seventies, it it has a lot to do with an abortion. You know, these, the the girls and the women in that film are not, you know, weak necessarily. Yeah. You know, there, there are, there are very strong elements. So I I don't know. There was some of that, that I just kind of feel like offended by. Um, Obviously horror doesn't exist in a vacuum. Uh, Mm -hmm. We live in a very sexist culture. So sexism gets into everything. And uh, you know, so you always have to kind of, 
you know, yes, there are things I could see to correct or to have a conversation about Black Christmas, which we did. You can go back and listen to that episode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I just think kind of dismissing it as if it's not, you know, as if it didn't have, you know, a very powerful message in and of itself. That needed to be corrected by this film. Yeah, and I think, like, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the two films, which, by the way, if you've, again, spoiler alert, um, but you should already know that if you listen to us regularly. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you look at the two films, you have like, you know, Black Christmas, Bob Clark, Bob Clark's Black, Black Christmas, which looks, you know, it's one killer um, terrorizing a sorority house. Yeah. And then in, you know, this this uh, newer Black Christmas, you have, it's like this conspiracy, right? So you have this uh, very like shadowy kind of, uh, sort of, um, <laughs> sort of a cultish conspiracy, right? And so, you know, again, and and also we have to, and we brought this up many times on the show, where um, slashers and horror itself is like there, there is a misogyny that pervades the genre. So there, and especially with slasher films, where it's always like some knife wielding male stranger that's like killing a bunch of, that's killing a bunch of uh, young women. And so in this situation, like the sub, I think in, for the, this current take on black Christmas, it's a way to kind of, you know, turn that around and make it so that way they're not, they, they're not, um, yes, they are terrorized, but like they are able to take it back. And, you know, we, instead of having one final girl, we have several, right? So there's, True. I, I I, I appreciate uh, those parts of like the subversion of convention. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, I mean, one of the first things I wrote down, like the idea that there is a cabal of men trying to subjugate women, obviously is very timely and absolutely true. <laughs> there, mm-hmm. there is a patriarchal uh, ideology that pervades a lot of institutions and a lot of people that women should, you know, that there are certain rules in society women should be filling and stepping out of those roles is destroying the world and, you know, society and blah, 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 all of that. Um, you know, I like that's extremely important because we are living in a time, especially when this came out, when the Me Too movement was, you know, still very vibrant, um, you know, at, at least when it, and certainly when it was being written and produced, you know, mm-hmm. where I'm like, we're confronting that. And this this film has a literal confrontation with that on the scale of telling a horror film at a college. Uh, you know, this microcosm of, of patriarchal control. Um, what I was like really annoyed by and I wrote down is men don't need magic. They need complicity, which they have. They have complicity amongst each other and they have complicity amongst women. Uh, you know, that there are women willing for whatever reasons, religion, uh, privilege, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, there, there are people who believe that there are women who believe women have a role as well. And so they are complicit with, you know, perpetuating misogyny. Uh, but obviously the more important thing, and I only bring that up because of the girl in the end who gets fucked yeah. over by it. And it's like, there you go. That's another mm-hmm. great point. If you want to sign yeah, up little Amy Coney Barrett, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you're also going to get, you know, murdered by it, you know, but the, the, but yeah, just the idea that there's already this like, very powerful institutions that will back all of these men up, you know, and they will go on to be, you know, lawyers and judges and politicians and people that will continue to shape the world in this um, white male 
or just male power structure. They don't need magic. So I was, I was just like, that annoyed me. And it also kind of gave like, I don't know, it was like this weird thing of like, oh, these guys aren't really themselves. They're possessed, you know, but I'm like, oh, okay. Men are already possessed. Like we've already like this, we've been passing down this tradition of patriarchy and toxic masculinity amongst ourselves for years and years and years. And again, back to, you know, the ways that we're also complicit, you know, I think of the ways that like the women in my life, you know, when I was a kid, like, don't cry, men don't cry, boys don't cry. And then you grow up and then it's that, you know, thing of like, why, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with your emotions? <laughs> you know? Um, so it's like, we already have like that already exists as a structure, you know? So I was just, that really bothered me in a way. And, you know, it kind of made Carrie Elwes, like his character, um, one of the reviews, actually it was a comment on a review, was like, this is so Scooby-Doo. <laughs> like, you know, unmask him. And it's like, ah, it's the white male asshole professor all along. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that, I was just really, really bugged by that because I just felt it kind of undermined the message that the college, these, you know, when you think back to so many real life experiences that women have had that women have, that have come out and, 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 and talked about being raped or sexually assaulted, the, the trial they get put on by the press, the people around them, you know, and everything like that, like that's already like that truly exists. That's not magic. That's not, you know, fantasy. It's not, you know, that's not, um, it's real. You know, and so I, that that was probably the thing that really bugged me about it. Um, one one of the things I just felt it kind of undermined what they were trying to say. You know, if you take away that magical element, it's like, yeah, we're going to do what we can because these boys are going to carry on our legacy and continue to make sure that men rule the world. I just don't think that needs to have a, you know, a supernatural. <laughs> A supernatural element. Excuse. You know, I don't know. Obviously, it plays with, the, I mean, again, you can flip that and also, again, plays with the ideas of, you know, of, of, of like we're possessed by dead men. You know, when you think about our culture now and we're so stuck on like what the Constitution says, it's like, well, I don't care what a bunch of slave owners had to say about how we should rule the world now or rule the world, Jesus, run the world now or run a society now. Um, we are all possessed by by dead men's mythologies and beliefs. And we, you know, we need to untether from that, you know? So I guess it could be a comment on that. And that's kind of where I was going with it. I mean, like, again, we use, we use horror, we use these elements to kind of, you know, put a magnifying glass on to turn the situation up to 11. We, to heighten everything. And so like, you know, this magic of like literally being possessed by some possessed by the ancient force. Like that's a very astute, uh, that's a very astute observation and, and something that kind of, I was thinking about already. It's like, yeah, it's these men are like, like whatever essence is in this bust is, um, you know, infecting all of them. And again, you, you could, you could say that like these, the structure of, um, 
these types of organizations, specifically like Greek life organizations, where, you know, you are making these kinds of supposed familial connections, brother, sister, or what have you, you know, by kind of signing up for that, you know, there's that institution, like there's that this is where we talk about like, you know, pedigree and breeding and all of that stuff. And so I wasn't as mad about, I I think like it definitely would work without it. Like if it was just like, if it was just some people where it's like, oh, we just believe like, this is just what we believe. And you, you did us wrong. And now we're going to kill all of you. Like it didn't need to have like, they are super soldiers <laughs> and they're in an army of the found, you know, the Hawthorne army against the women. Yeah. Um, it could have worked entirely without that. Like I didn't need that. It's already believed like we already live in, like you said, we already live in a world where men can have this so much power to exercise against women. Like violence is just the apex of that, <laughs> of that understanding. Yeah. Um, so we didn't need that, but I mean, I thought for me, like, I'm like, okay, if you wanted to, you know, make it a fun movie like that worked but i mean it worked and it did i mean it worked a little bit more for me but i wasn't i was definitely like yeah you could leave this out but it's it's fine as it is yeah well you know and again everybody is free to take you Mm -hmm. know what they want and what they can from um you know horror that's what we're doing here joe so Mm -hmm. you know if you like it then that's good you know hey take that and be happy Um, (laughs) and again i mean like i'm i don't think that you know watching it again and i feel like if i just divorce it from the original and obviously those magical elements certainly take it even farther outside the realm of like real of the real um you know then yeah i mean this could have been probably more enjoyable if i wasn't really thinking about black christmas and thinking about the ways that i i did think the original has some elements of it that are great and that are you know timely and interesting and and we're still having those conversations about abortion and about roe v wade and you know so there were just things in watching this where i'm just like okay like we this could have been taking away that magical element and just re you know, that, that is, that is real horror for women, you know? Um, and this idea that like the patriarchy poisons good men, you know, there are plenty of men that are probably that I think all of us in general are born good and with the opportunity to be all sorts of things. And then we are shaped by, you know, our lives and our experiences. And, you know, when you, if, if our whole approach to the way we raise boys and girls, quote, gender, this whole nonsense construct, you know, it, that it's going to inform who they become, you know? And so I think that there is, there's value in talking about that and putting it in this kind of literal way with, um, what was his name? The, the character, uh, was it Lincoln? Landon. Landon. Um, <laughs> Lincoln is my nephew. Uh, Landon, where it's like, you know, he's the good guy. We could tell he's the good guy because he has glasses. And the good yeah. guys always have glasses and they're, you know, they got their cardigan. And they look quite- uh they look physically weak. Right. <laughs> you know, he's like thin and he's not with the other boys. He's just his own thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, coded, you know, lots of coding going mm-hmm. on with Landon. He is he's not white. <laughs> right. You know, exactly. So he's also separated from that. Which I mean, again, there's probably a whole conversation we can have it just analyzing that, but um, you know, so him becoming like infected and kind of joining there at like at the end, you know, he's brainwashed or whatever, you know, it's like, I think there's good commentary there about the ways, like, again, 
good men become bad or are infected by, you know, these ideologies. Um, but the, the next point I wanted to make again about like, if, if this has just been about the horror, I, I was thinking about the list, um, your piece that you wrote. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And how, and that's where I think that maybe men who watch this movie, especially like guys who feel safe in society and, you know, are, are seeing this through their very specific perspective lens like mm-hmm. there's a lot in here if you're watching this as a woman and 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 we obviously talk about like the list which sorry dear listener is this piece that uh joe wrote when we did the mending monologues together about all the things that go through um a woman's mind to stay safe in the world that mm-hmm. men simply most men probably don't really think about or at least we're not taught and mm-hmm. it, and, it, and it, it was collected from people you know right exactly it was coll- it was collected from from a conversation during one of the workshops that we had where um, a lot of the women in the room were talking about the things that they do to prevent, you know, being assaulted. And, and, you know, as I wrote this, I wrote this years ago and um, it's kind of had this natural extension to like, not just women, but also like any femme identified person. So, you know, um, female identified or like anyone who you know presents as femme is what is i think what this list really captures but it's just um and maybe we'll post it maybe maybe we'll post it and give you a chance to read it but yeah so i did think about that as well too about there's this like the symbolism of the keys right (laughs) the symbolism of the keys and putting the keys between your fingers because they always you know that's the first thing that they tell you to do um like I, I'm sure there was probably someone who was like, why is she walking home alone at night? <laughs> right. And I imagine sitting and watching that, like that, the way it opens, it's like, I know lots of women in my life that have had that experience of being followed, of being, you know, questioned, of being taunted, of being, you know, by some person, you know, got mostly men, you know, who, you know, you, you don't know what the, how it could go for you, you know? And, um, so the, one of the uh, from Vulture, one of the um, reviews I found of this was again from Angelica Jade Bastien, who wrote um, a review. I think it was like I'm I'm so tired of movies like Antebellum, and so I talked about her when we did our Antebellum uh, piece, and that's on that episode. Uh, but she had written another. Uh, she's written lots of stuff actually for Vulture. Uh, Black Christmas is bloody holiday fun, so she's kind of falling on. This is a more positive review. And one of the things she said is um, Black Christmas. uh, So uh, it mines the kind of quiet, constant fear women face on, say, a walk home alone at night that prompts clenched fists spiked with house keys. Uh, When Riley and her sisters are accosted by a masked intruder one night, they have to fight to survive until morning. Um, the director uh, fills the film's uh, long corridors and darkened rooms with menace using bits of cheery Christmas ephemera an icicle as a deadly weapon for one to haunt rather than comfort um, and then she kind of goes on to say sort of the similar thing like I don't know that the story required the supernatural elements that follow uh, the fraternity house would have been a haven of villainy with or without them so um you know, so that, so again, that just kind of echoes like just the real world fears that women have that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and again, women identifying people, you know, queer people, you know, certainly I don't always uh, personally feel safe in certain situations or out in certain places. Um, you know, there's not, 
I don't want to be everywhere the kind of person I am and the way I present. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I certainly don't feel safe. I would not feel safe everywhere in the world. You know, so, but in particular, when talking about a feminist film, like that, I do think stands true. And there are things in it that people go, well, that's not scary for you. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, and so the the men who might watch this who don't think that way or don't don't consider how dangerous the world is to others, you know, yeah. um, could be dismissive of of some of the the quote unquote scares in the movie. Yes, mm-hmm. I think it could have been more intense. I get that. Um, Sophia, you know, the director, she wanted this to have a PG thirteen rating because, in her words, she had wanted it to be um, accessible to younger people. Um, to be thinking about these concepts and to be thinking about what happens in the film and to be thinking about their own power and, you know, accessing that. And I, I, I do think that's important, but I'm a gorehound. So I was a little disappointed in, you know, the kills, you don't really see much at all. Um, you know, which could have been made, maybe it hyped up a little bit more of some of the, 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 the interest in the film. So instead mm-hmm. it kind of comes off, it, it comes off like it's heavily, like it's been edited. Yes. It's, know? they're hiding it's like they're hiding something almost yeah. like it's almost like they could this could easily play on television as is <laughs> um yeah for the most part i think it really could um you know maybe they would i guess cut out some of the language but <laughs> which i mean like again like there is already so much i it, it could also be a twofold purpose right you know this we want a pg13 rating but we also like we also want to have a horror film, a slasher film where we don't get to actually see too much violence against the women that are in it. Right. 100%. Like, yeah, absolutely. I think that is a great, a great, great point. Um, you know, trying to again, subvert that, like let's kill these women, but not show it so graphically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, you absolutely, you're, you're probably onto something, but again, I think there is probably, I don't know, then maybe it could have just been done more artfully. Cause I just feel like it was one of those things where it was like, like when the, um, the one friend, they kind of, you know, they remade some of the kills, you know, with like the Christmas lights and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And I think even the icicle remind me very much of like, you know, the glass figure yeah, and yeah, yeah. The unicorn and, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, but she goes and she starts to turn her around and then it cuts away and which is fine. I get like not wanting to show, but I, I don't know. I just feel like there, it could have been done better because it just felt like it was edited for television. It was clumsy. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I, I like you would have liked to see more as well. Um, at the very least, like show us everything when you're killing the when you're killing the guys. You know, show right. like yeah, show us everything when you know. Like <laughs> I was hoping for like a, a fraternity paddle decapitation. Like <laughs> I really wanted there to be something like that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, there could have been a little bit more of that, you know. I mean, it's not obviously you get that sort of revenge fantasy, um, you know, element in it. But again, some of it gets a little undermined by like, oh, maybe some of these guys are might be perfectly good guys and they're possessed by this goo. I don't know. It's just again, just one thing. What's interesting is that, like, I was like, oh, well, they're all bad. Like, anyone who's in that fraternity is obviously a dick. And right. and this is what they signed up for. And they for. know, yeah. And they know. Because the only person who's, like, it's against his will is um, is Landon. Right. And then you have, um, I think, Marty's boyfriend, who comes back, who ha- gets the migraines and stuff like that. He obviously did not get to be anointed by 
by the essence of the of the founder. But, you know, he did start to exhibit a little bit of that behavior. And now we know, looking back on it, that like, oh, he was falling victim. The migraines are uh, part of the magic taking place. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, like, it's, it, it is trying to do a lot. And yeah. it is trying to do a lot. And I don't know if you're, I don't know if this was a point you were going to bring up, but I, I was wondering, I would like to make it now is like, what do we, we've watched a lot of these specifically Blumhouse, but watched a lot of these films who in the more modern time that are like seeking to address like quote unquote woke concepts. Um, I mean, like, I will always remember where I was when I heard Princess Nokia mentioned <laughs> in The Craft Legacy. Um, and so uh, these are things where it's like, yes, I appreciate I appreciate mentioning it. I appreciate the fact that it's, like, now going to live in, uh, like, on film and the fact that horror is able to um, express with more immediacy things than, like, your run-of-the-mill rom-com or even action movie can. But... I don't know. I, I always feel like it's, um, it, it always flirts the line with me with being like disingenuous mm-hmm. and just like, well, we're saying this because this is what we feel we need to say. And then to me, I always question in, I always question intent. Is it, is this wish fulfillment and the intention of the filmmaker and the, and the, the filmmakers, including the screenwriter, or is this like them paying lip service or trying to, quote unquote be woke so that they quote unquote don't get canceled like because like the diva cup thing like i don't know like i don't know with any certainty um how um how widespread or popular the use is of a diva cup but like to me that is very much like the kind of its placement is like oh she's this like super liberal crunchy like you know crunchy granola girl living in a sorority house and she like you know doesn't know where her where her diva cup is and i'm like i don't know if i needed that right away um not because i'm a you know not well, because I mean, i'm you about you know yeah, what i mean well, like I, well i think that's put in there one to, to that that as early as that that's a, a private thing that she has that's stolen by the girl so that they have the power to hunt her down later yes mm-hmm. the items you know so i think that's put there um you know, I don't know. I have certainly have not talked to the women in my uh, sphere to say, hey, you know, would you be comfortable putting your diva cup on in front of another for, or placing it in front of a friend? <laughs> um, so I have no idea. I, I mean, I, I don't know how, like, that whole scene, I'm just like, hey, whatever. These are very close people. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you're living in a house with someone and, you know, they're... Yeah. The boundaries can be very, very thin. You know, I've had yeah. very explicit conversations with girlfriends, um, and with like girlfriends being both of the of the of the women of all genders, yes, <laughs> of all genders, yes, of all genders. Um, you know, but so yeah, that that scene was strange. I think it really, I I don't know. I mean, I think one of the functions it serves is just to set up. You know, it's foreshadowing. Yeah, but I, I guess what I mean is like it, the. Uh, they could have said anything else, but they chose to do that. I'm like, okay, that's that's hey, definitely a choice. Maybe there was some product placement there, and they got some money from Demon. And, and maybe uh, there was. <laughs> um, but it but was, as, yeah, are we are we starting to make? Are we if we're trying to be woke just to be woke? Like, are we preemptively trying not to get canceled? So no, uh, and that was my next point, and I have quite a few notes uh, about that. Well, not quite a few, but 
um, yeah, I mean, this is perfect. I'm glad you took it this way. Uh, so, cause there are a few other things in, in, in the movie then that, bo- that are bothersome, you know, cause there's a lot of gaslighting going on on all sides. You know, her one friend is like pushing her to be, you know, this mascot for sex, sexual assault on campus and to be some sort of, you know, hero, um, which I, I just think is, I don't know. It was just very, very strange. So, you know, it's like utilizing a friend's trauma to further her own like goals of like empowerment was just a little strange to me. Um, uh, strange or gross. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I mean, it's like, man, I wish I could just sit down and talk. Like what, what did they want us to take away from watching that? You know what I mean? Like what did the writers want you know and i'm curious about like because obviously we know people in the industry who've done things and you know who are making films and making you know television or whatever you know how like where do producers step in where do production companies step in and like you know it was just kind of like some of it i'm just like i feel like did somebody come in and say okay well we need like a a woman who's like bad like the guys <laughs> like can we get that character because you know that woman exists like so let's put her in this movie you know, like, I, I would hope that there was, like, not hope. I don't want to hope that, like, I don't know. I <laughs> I'm, there, I'm upset by that whole storyline, you know? It's oh, like, with um, Chris and... Um, yeah, because it's like, yeah. she's had this brutal assault. She's obviously not... I mean, they kind of, you know... Um, she's very... Riley's very much set up like that kind of stereotypical quote unquote victim. Like, you know, her, she's kind of presented like all of her friends, they're, you know, cute in their dresses and they're doing their makeup and their hair. She kind of looks unkempt. She's covered completely up. You know, she's obviously not comfortable. There's a whole conversation about not wanting to be sexy. You know, she's not interested at all in, in, in making men attracted to her or anybody attracted to her. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she just, wants to get through school and move on with her life and deal with this in her own way. Um, you know, so the whole thing of like, Oh, the girl's out. So obviously you can throw on this sexy Santa dress and, you know, come out and, you know, do this song. That's going to be extremely inflammatory when we're already in an extremely tense environment. You know, our, our, our school's not really backing us up. Our professors attacking us openly in class. Um, you know, you're at the center of this huge controversy and, um, let's get up and, you know, this will be fun and empowering and healing. Um, I don't know. I just, (laughs) yeah, doesn't feel right. I mean, though, Chris in that moment is acting in the way that, like, people who out people publicly are. Yeah. Like, there's this element of, you know, again, like, the best, uh, I feel like what I've learned from um, my years of involvement with, uh, my years of involvement in organizations that are working to end, um, gender-based violence and also from like survivors that I know personally and love themselves that I've learned that like the best thing that you can do is to um, the first step that someone can take to kind of regain their voice and their power again is to be able to um, have that autonomy over things again. So it'd be in one of those ways, like telling their story in their way. 
and so like it it has but it has to come from like you can be supportive as much as possible of obviously if you're if you if you're being confided in and toward but like the worst thing that you could do is to be like you need to i reported this person to the police you know what i mean like that's that's like the worst thing that you could do at least what i've come to realize and i feel like in this instant chris is just like so desperate for it's, it sees the kind of justice element of it, but it doesn't realize that like her friend is not, um, there's already so much that her, uh, that uh, Riley is dealing with that it's not as uh, black and white and it's not as black and white. It's just like, this is going to help you um, type of thing. Or she's trying to seek some sort of like justice um, that they would normally not, justice that they're not getting since the campus doesn't believe them and you know no one the fraternity doesn't believe it and you know all that stuff so i get it from both sides but i i i agree with you it was just it just seemed it just seemed pretty icky what was the most kind of surprising and i had like this really bad taste in my mouth is at the very the final fight scene where we see um uh, Riley being pinned on the floor, having flashbacks to when right. to her assault, um, and you know being pinned on the floor by the same uh, man who uh, was her assailant, um, was her abuser, um, and then seeing um, her her friend Chris be uh, you know getting choked out by one of the hooded figures, and then in that moment she like you know finds the strength to overtake him, kill him. And then all that. And at the very end, she says to, or not at the very end, but like in the next scene, she says to Riley, uh, she says to Riley, I should have, I could have fought back in that moment. And I thought that was so like, that did not sit well with me because like, I don't know necessarily about that message because she was, what we know from the movie is that she was drunk, you know, she was, um, she was drunk. She was um, uh, 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 not drunk. She was drugged um, by, you know, like there, it may not have been possible for her to fight back in that moment. And I don't necessarily, I feel like I want to be very careful with how I say this because I'm someone who does not have this experience of life. Right. And I, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I don't want to be little or be misunderstood, but I feel like it would be, I feel like it might be problematic to have the character, your main character who we've been seeing this entire film through their eyes say that like they, um, to express guilt that they could have fought back, which is something that like survivors go through (laughs) survivors of assault are like, you know, that's something that they um, go through as well in their head. Like I didn't, Um, the guilt and the shame of being abused and in that moment, like not fighting back when, you know, they feel like they could have, and it could, it could all have been done. And so I thought that was very, I did, it did not sit well with me. Well, no. And again, and to your point, that's, and that is the issue. It's like, it undermines what the film is trying to say again, like Mm -hmm. the magic goo. And then this, it's like, you know, it could be much more powerful to, you know, cause again, like, 
the women who wrote this are not responsible for all women's experiences and they're not responsible to tell all women's experiences, obviously. And we Mm -hmm. don't hold, you know, male directors and male writers to that standard. You know, we don't go, Oh, now this speaks for all men or this speaks for, you know, so I, I do, you know, like they're trying to tell a story that's fine. So I want to, you know, want to take it on the merits of that. So you have Riley stand up for herself and they have that big blowout about this being like a personal project. And again, like you're saying, like, is this like woke, you know, confronting that in the film, I'm like, this is awesome because it is, it did feel a little too woke culture. You know, it's Walmart wrapping itself up in gay pride flags, you know, in July, just to seem woke. Um, you know, so having that confrontation, I'm like, oh, good. This is good. This is a good conversation. Very important to have, you know, and she's right. And in that moment that, um, so this is from another piece uh, from Medium uh, that somebody wrote that I, I found interesting. Uh, you know, so Riley's right. Her best friend is the biggest example of that feeding woke Twitter into an AI type writing. This is something the uh, the writer mm-hmm, talked mm-hmm. about earlier in the piece that that's what it felt like. This script is like uh, was generated by. Um, AI. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, so her friend seems to care more about the importance of inspiring other women though, uh, through Riley than she does uh, how Riley feels about all of it. But according to Black Christmas, Riley is wrong because during the climactic final battle, she's put into a similar position which br- with Brian as she was during her rape. And this time, because she's fighting the system in caps, she's able to get Brian off of her and win the battle, which creates this weird implication that she is now too strong to be raped again, caps either in a metaphorical or literal sense, because strong feminists are capable of defeating any man who tries to lay a hand on her. The concept of taking a literal fight and tying it to the metaphorical fight against the patriarchy is not inherently bad, um, but the director very clearly didn't know how to properly convey it. And so uh, maybe there's no way she realized the implications the final scenes conveyed. I don't know. You know, again, maybe it's just clumsy. That, and I think that's the the problem is there's a lot of really good conversation because we do have to be, you know, talk about those things that it really does feel sometimes we are fighting against insurmountable odds. You know, there's a defeated, you know, feeling sometimes in, in the world, you know, and we have to wrestle with those, those feelings and of like, how do we overcome centuries of oppressive you know sexist racist homophobic misogynistic you know all of the mm-hmm. you know, all of those things like how do we overcome that you know and we're and we are sort of reckoning it and there there are moments in this film where it's like oh yeah this is a good conversation this is a good thing to talk about how we're like educate like whose classics are we talking about you know i like that mm-hmm. conversation what we're being taught we're taught a specific version of history that informs us and feeds us and and you know teaches us to be racist and teaches us to be sexist and to, to accept things as fact that maybe aren't fact, mm-hmm. um, you know, and those are really good conversations to be having and really good things the film does. And, and to also confront that, like, you know, I don't want to be your poster child for empowering rape. Vic- like I have to figure this out and I, I'm still healing from this trauma, you know, and now the guy's here again, you know, and I've got to deal with that. So it, yeah, it just, I felt it undermined in that moment, like saying that, like, it's one thing to be like, fuck this. I'm going to, you know, kill this guy or I'm going to beat this guy. And, you know, you have that revenge fantasy, but to like make her responsible for, I I don't know. It was just 
clumsy. That's all I can say. I just, you know, it keeps coming back to that. It's yeah. just very clumsy messaging. Yeah. And to, and to not, to have Chris basically like agree with her. I'm like, yeah, you could have fought, but you know, yeah, like, it, yeah, it was, yeah, it was very, I don't know. Again, like, you know, if you're April Wolf, if you're listening, <laughs> would love to have you on the show. You, she is also a podcaster as well. And someone who is very versed, you know, like very well schooled in film. Um, so it'd be interesting to see, um, to, to hear this from, um, her perspective, but again, from also just any, um, a woman's perspective as well. Some female identified person's perspective. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, obviously again, there, you know, there are reviews out there on conversations and, but, and I was finding a mix, you know, and, and again, and I, I feel the same way, you know, I do approach horror, you know, like, okay, what value does this have? And I think there is value here. I think there's a lot of really good conversations happening. I think there are, you know, this is another thing that, you know, somebody's going to see this out there. And they're going to, you know, think about the horror they make, you know, and they're going to correct this a little bit more. And, you know, we're going to keep, you know, seeing that change, you know, and people developing these ideas more and more, you know, across the horror genre in a lot of different ways, you know, get out. We haven't even seen yet, you know, that like how get out is going to influence, you know, in 20 years horror, Um, you know, so I think that this is a great starting point i just think as a horror film as it just you know fails on a couple of levels for me personally again you're you know you said you enjoyed it that's fine you don't need you know certain things maybe out of out of it that i that i wanted to see um you know i don't i (sighs) yeah and i and it's been i've only watched black christmas the original black christmas the one time for our show. Right. Right. So it doesn't, and it also doesn't live in, it doesn't live in my mind. Um, and in my, um, in my pantheon of horror in the same way that, um, and not to it say does. that sorry. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. And, and I'm not saying that it's like perfect to the point that it does, that it's like, you know, beyond <laughs> criticism, there are certainly things to, to criticize yeah. and talk about it. I mean, it's a horror film made in the yeah. 70s. But I, I also like, compl- what I'm saying is that I completely like, like it wasn't until they made the very, the, you know, those few callbacks to the original black Christmas that I remembered like right. the original plot and all of that stuff. So, you know, those elements of it. So I was already kind of like, I've already been divorced. It was already for me divorced a lot from the original, yeah. um, except in name and, you know, a few things, but right. Which is, know, so I, I mean, for you, it yeah. was a different experience. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was a different experience for me. And again, like there are a, a few very glaring things at the end, but overall, like, you know, it was an enjoyable experience. It would just be interesting to see, it'd just be interesting to, you know, have the, and this is why, like, I do love reading interviews with filmmakers and stuff like that, because it's just, there's, there's intention behind every choice. So, right. you know, you, you got to figure out, it, it's always, it would be nice to figure out why. I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to be one of my five people to have at a dinner party, but, you know, if ever <laughs> I, I get a chance over to just discuss Black Christmas. Yeah, if ever I get a chance to, to meet and talk to April Wolf, this is something that I would, you know, would love to have more insight on. 
No, yeah, absolutely, you know. And again, we're both men, regardless of our queer status and regardless of our relationships to women, you know, we're still viewing this through our lenses. And, you know, like I said, the reviews I found were positive were written by women, you know, that did see. And I, I you know, I brought up the reasons why, which I do think are important. Um, You know, I just, again, it's just, yeah, I, I think it was just kind of a clumsy movie in a lot of ways that could have just been maybe edited a little bit more, you know, just to kind of, um, I don't know, just not undermine. Well, really they just need to get rid of that whole goo thing. But anyways, that's, and and they don't even go into like the goo thing, right? They don't even go. Yeah. It's like, it's it's so mad. It's like when you, it's a good thing you had us remove the bust because when you did, we discovered this myth, mystical goo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah whatever uh you know uh yeah so i will say this i have a feeling in 10 years this is going to be another one of those movies in 10 years there's going to be some buzzfeed article about how it wasn't as bad as we all remember um you know (laughs) oh yeah but that's also because i'm just getting old enough to see how that that cycle happens uh you know i think it'll be analyzed and well i mean look that came out with the most recent remake of black christmas right we're seeing that now where people are like it's got this new appreciation it's just so funny you know or jennifer's body and all that stuff yeah but jennifer's body though deserved it yes (laughs) it had praise back then you know um so I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll watch this again in 10 years and be like, oh, well, okay. You know, maybe horror will only get worse from here. And we'll long for the days when we had, you know, thoughts on uh, sexual assault on college campuses uh, being addressed in a horror film in a very frank way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not. Hopefully we'll be, you know, continuing yeah. these conversations. Uh, but all right. Well, that sums up Black Christmas 2019. Um, yeah. So Woo! Another another holiday <laughs> horror classic. Down classic. <laughs> um, I'm excited. So we this uh, will be out uh, today, uh, <laughs> the 14th. Fourteenth. Um, we will not be on next Monday. However, we will drop a special episode on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be torture for me. But we're not. We won't reveal that now. We won't we reveal it. Day. We have a very special uh, Torture Joshua episode for <laughs> for an actual Christmas episode release. So we will definitely be in your earballs then. Um, you know, happy Christmas, Merry Hanukkah, mm-hmm. <laughs> happy Kwanzaa, happy all the holidays, winter happy solstice. All of it. Um, you know, Yule. Uh, Yule. Uh, I will say that even though I don't have a favorite Christmas movie that's like just a Christmas movie, there are quite a, a few Christmas albums that I really love. And I do want to just take a real quick hot second to just uh, let's both share maybe like our favorite, some of our favorite Christmas records to uh, um, encourage our listeners to listen to. So uh, for me, uh, Winter Song by Sarah McLaughlin. I love that album. It's wonderful. I was like, which which headliner of Lilith Fair is he going to pick? Um, <laughs> and you know, yeah, I know, I'm yeah, I'm biased. But Melissa Etheridge has a really awesome. A new thought for Christmas is a great bluesy rock and roll mm-hmm. Christmas record that's super fun. And also, like Albert King has a really great. I love Christmas blues music. I like jazzy bluesy stuff. So you know, put mm-hmm. that on and uh, think of me, dear listener. Uh, what about you, Joe? Um, well. Like couple things so i um i really appreciate um 
I think the one that I've just been listening on repeat, and sadly it was released the year that she died, but um, it's a holiday soul party uh, by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Oh, yeah. Um, has great. So, and like this, one of the my favorite songs on it is um, Eight Days of Hanukkah, um, which, you know, just to listen to a very like have a soulful, a soulful take on it. This is one of those albums like this is one of those albums that like I wish I could have a record player and have this on vinyl because this would be fun to play in a house full of people. And nice. So that's one that I've been returning to lately. Um, the John Legend Christmas album is also very good as well. Um, and um I mean, that's pretty much it. Cause otherwise I, otherwise when I create like my Christmas playlist, my holiday playlist, I just pick songs from various things. But the main album that I've just, I listen to every song on the album is um, it's a holiday soul party by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Awesome. I am definitely going to put that on at work then. That's going to be a good, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's just so good and it's so soulful and, you know, there it's it's fun and whim, whimsical. There's a song she has called "There Ain't No Chimneys in the Projects," and like one of the things that I love music that is just kind of feels very like perfect for Christmas is always like Christmas jazz. Yeah. Christmas jazz always reminds me of like department stores and being out with my mom shopping and cold weather and all that stuff. And so this has that kind of element of it. And I highly recommend um, folks look up the Tiny Desk concert, the NPR Tiny Desk concert that Sharon Jones did with Dab Kings when the album came out, um, because it's it's really great. And also watch her documentary. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, I, I do. I, I, I am a fan. So that's awesome. I love that. All righty. Well, happy holidays. And happy holidays. And we will, we will uh, be in your ears again very, very soon. Joe. Have a good night. Have a good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network.